0: You're listening to The Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal L.A. Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out.
1: Okay, am I doing all right? Am I pulling out of the airplane hangar yet? That's a sound thing. Um, it is... Really cool to be here. I've been looking forward to this weekend for so long. I'm so glad I don't have to do any more Facebook posts on this thing. <laughs> uh, but you know, we did a lot of convincing and we did a lot of selling. So I, I really do ask and pray that that God would really bless this time. And we've been praying about it. I'm so thankful for the planning committee uh, that uh, that really helped put all this together. As as we're going to talk about our little personality. Profiles And hopefully you've had a chance, if you registered, to take your personality profile, climb into your own little brain a little bit and see what you're like. It's so great to have such a diverse uh, group of people, even on our planning committee, to have someone that is a high S, like uh, Jamie Dino, who thinks about all the details. Me, Jason, and Dink are high I's, so we just talk forever and we never make any decisions or do... Do anything worthwhile other than talk and so Jamie constantly keeps this thing moving forward and really uh, is sort of an evangelist of planning committees uh, so I, I am so thankful for these guys and all the, the hard work they put into this. It is really cool to have two not just like they they 're kind of a nurse you know for the weekend but actually two people who are registered nurses and uh, you know will uh, hopefully, again, not be seeing you the whole weekend, but again, the altitude is serious. We're at 7,000 feet. Most of us came from sea level today. Uh, if you're from Tucson, you're a 1,000 feet or so above sea level, so you may be doing a little better. The rest of us are about to pass out after the second song. So... uh a lot of that, you know, again, the altitude, it's difficult to sleep. Just let me let you know. Uh, so, you know, make sure you drink a lot of water and then you're going to be up all night long, you know, but most of you have bathrooms in the room right there if you're at Harriman. So we're thinking of everything. Um uh, and, uh, so thankful for Jamie getting us all these cool swag bags. This, the coffee tumbler, man, that, that there will be coffee later tonight. Now, I feel like I need it already, you know, but uh, so uh, now I just feel like the, the cool thing is after all the talking and planning, like I just feel like we get to be here now for two days. You know what I mean? We just get to be here. Uh, and so I really do pray that that God moves in a great way during our time here. Uh, I'm thankful for the Cedar Lake staff. This is a great staff. Kyle uh, is going to come and share a little bit before the uh, 4.30 session. Uh, he works for us, and he's been very excited, very accommodating. Um, this is a cool place. My, Sean and I used to take the uh, Long Beach State Ministry up here back in the uh, like mid-90s, and uh, there was a whole tent city down there. It was real, like... Of the mountains, it was like ghetto of the mountains, you know what I mean? So they were just wood slats with canvas tents and 10 bunks per tent. And then you all had to like walk up a hill to a community bathroom, uh, like if you wanted to shower or use the bathroom. And uh, then we just cooked out and we were just sort of intense, man. It was like, you know, it was sort of like the Egyptians wandering or the Israelites wandering in the Arabian desert. It was really... A Great time and so being able to be back here after some 15 years is really special when we came up here the day That we were scouting this place out. Uh, we're like they're like. Oh, are you the Church of Christ group? And they're like, we're like, yeah and She's like, where's all the kids I'm like no, this is a singles group <laughs> And uh, and it's not that she didn't understand us It's just that when we looked behind us here comes Jay minor and all the turning point kids and they were coming here the same day that we were scouting out the camp And I guess they've been doing day camps here for many years. So it was really cool. Uh, Turnwall and all of us were here. We're like, hey, Jay, you know. Uh, So we got to surprise them. So uh, this is a great place. Town is very close, uh, you know, so it's not like we're completely uncivilized. Uh, And like uh, Rick said, hopefully the food is great and that you don't need any medication. (laughs) We're going to talk about the call of leadership. And what I want to do is, these first two lessons are the call of leadership and the gifts of leadership, and I'm going to kind of fly through them so that we can also spend much of our time in discussion and in groups, because I really want this to be an interactive uh, retreat. Uh, I want it to be a time where you guys get to know one another, get to know uh, and, and build some relationships. As Dink said, you know, to fellowship with other people who have aspirations or who are currently leading or who are at least opinionated, is a lot of fun. So uh, that's our goal, is for you guys to spend a lot of this time interacting. Uh, I already went fishing today with my boys. Uh, I, we have a daughter, she's here. She's a disciple. She's just turned 15 and was baptized in December. And uh, Katie, that's not her, that's my son Justin. But you'll see her around the camp. She's uh, She's awesome. And uh, this is my son Justin, he uh, caught, that's a bluegill, and then uh, my son Kyle caught a largemouth bass. <laughs> so that's right there, like his arms were barely able to hold that bass up. Now, it looks to be about two feet big, but he's sort of holding it towards the camera, which so it's a little bit of an optical illusion. Can we kill the a little bit of light up here? Let, let me see if we can... Uh... So you can see the screen a little bit better. Is that a little better? Okay. Um, So yeah, there's fishing here too. Good fishing. So let's talk about the call of leadership for a little bit. Let's look at who God has called throughout the years. You know, throughout history, when God has seen the condition of His people, uh, it moves Him. It moves Him. And the starting point for God then is calling somebody to do something about it. And the starting point for everybody who is called by God to do something about it is you must have the wrong number. (laughs) And it's actually like that throughout history. God sees the condition, the need, and so he just finds the closest person. Whether it's Moses, uh, in in the case of the consolation of Israel, it was a teenage girl in Mary. Uh, and it's just like every time God reveals his plan to them, it's like, are you sure that that's going to work and that you are choosing the right person? So the call of leadership, I love when Moses was called. Keep in mind it was by a burning bush. Now, I don't know if you guys realize what that would be like to walk into Egypt and basically try to convince them that a burning bush told you to remove their entire labor force, right? After they had been in place for thousands, you know, well, not thousands, but hundreds of years. Imagine walking into the Pentagon and saying, you know what, Uh, I'm going to round up all the Indians and uh, we're going to go uh, worship and, ha- and build a sovereign nation of our own. Uh, and the Pentagon would say, well, uh, you know, I don't know if they'd be open to that. But that's about how long it has been in history when God finally called Moses to do something about the condition of his people. And his reaction was, well, who should I, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring him out of Egypt? So he's arguing. Now you notice. That's chapter 3. The argument is still happening by chapter 4. <laughs> Moses answered, What if they don't believe me or listen to me when I say the Lord did not appear to you? I mean, he's basically saying, God, you're telling me to tell them a burning bush has set. you got to help me out here, God. Moses said, Oh, Lord, I'm not even eloquent. I'm not a great speaker. I'm not a high eye person. I'm cautious. <laughs> uh, I'm slow of speech and tongue. And then finally, when he's out of excuses, he just says, just send somebody else to do it. I just don't want to. Great heart, right? Jeremiah, when he called Jeremiah, the word of the Lord said, hey, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I anointed you as a prophet to the nation. God is revealing his destiny, right? Mind blown. Not really. He said, well, I don't know how to speak, and I'm only a child, right? So Moses is like, I'm too old and slow. Jeremiah is like, I'm too young. They're not going to respect me. Deborah, Barak said to her, if you don't go with me, I, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't get, go with me, I won't go, right? Certainly, I'll go with you, said Deborah. And the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. When Deborah was called to lead, she was surrounded by incompetent male leadership. Now I know we've not had that problem in the last 3,000 years, but back then they went through a period of time when none of the men wanted to lead, and so Deborah stepped up to the plate. David, this this is an inspiring call. Samuel went to anoint one of the sons of Jesse. And Jesse had seven sons passed before Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen any of these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? And he scratched his head and he said, well, (laughs) they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Isn't that amazing? So when God called David... He didn't even get the vote of confidence from his father. He was not believed in. He was not the obvious choice. It didn't even cross his mind that David would be the one that God chose until Samuel asked him, Are you, Do you have any more kids? Oh yeah, that one. Go get him. <laughs> Ezekiel. What a great mission. The people who I'm sending you to, this is God, are obstinate and stubborn. Right? This is where you're going in November. (laughs) Dink, by the way. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, and whether they listen or fail to listen, for they're rebellious, they'll know that a prophet has been among them, and you, man, do not be afraid of them or their words. So he got a vote of confidence. God said, hey, go preach. They may not be open, but don't worry. Don't be afraid. I came to the exiles who lived... Uh, at Tel Aviv, near the Kebar River, and there where they were living, I sat among them for seven days, overwhelmed. Pretty cool army God grabs, right? You know, When God is looking for leadership, He doesn't necessarily look for the most qualified person. He doesn't really care about His starting materials, because He is moved by the condition of His people, and He knows He can work with us. When Jonah was called, he just said no and went the other way. And the reason is, he didn't want the Ninevites to repent. He didn't want to preach to them. When they repented, he actually was angry because he didn't like them. He was a bit of a bigot. And these guys had oppressed his people. So why am I going to tell them to repent? I don't want you to spare them, I want you to destroy them, so I'm not going. I don't love these people. Isn't that awesome? Like, he's one of the most... Like, Ezekiel was ineffective. Like, Jeremiah was ineffective. These guys couldn't change the people's hearts. Jonah was effective, and he was, like, had the worst hearts. (laughs) Simon Peter, when Jesus said, Hey, you know, come follow me, he just said, Save yourself, Jesus. Invest in somebody else. I am a sinful man. How I many of you ever just felt like, I'm too, too sinful to lead. I'm just too... I can't do it. You know? I, I struggle too much. I, my purity, my... Uh, you know, I have addictive behavior issues. I Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful person. I am disqualified. You know, sin, obviously deliberate and continuous sin, will disqualify you from leadership. But God, again... He's not that picky about his starting materials if you're willing to change. So they pulled up their boats and said, don't worry about it. We'll we'll work on your sin. I've got three years with you. From now on, you'll catch men. What was Saul's issue? Well, when God called him to leadership, he wasn't quite a disciple yet. And not only not quite a disciple, he was still persecuting the disciples. And Ananias basically said... I don't know why Ananias was arguing with Jesus, but he says, you know, you do know that he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So, wanted leaders. The call of leadership. Leadership. This is what we want. This is what God wants. This is what God needs. You know, God could do it all himself, right? But God is a balance of all of the personalities, right? God is not just a D, just get it done. God is also willing to take us along for the ride. And so when you look at the starting materials, he's old, slow of speech, unwilling. Jeremiah, young, not a good speaker. Deborah, surrounded by weak leadership, leadership. David, inexperienced, not believed in. Ezekiel, sent to a place where people aren't open, right? He didn't get to plant the Manila Church. How many of you guys have ever been to the Manila Church and in the Philippines? It's just like this place of open people, you know? Bro, you're awesome, bro! It's like, you don't know that I'm awesome. I'm a sinner, you know? But they're just open people. And that's not where Ezekiel was sent, (laughs) And he was overwhelmed. Jonah was rebellious, didn't have a heart for the law. Simon Peter just felt like he was too sinful. Saul, not a disciple, persecutor. But here's the, here's the thing. What does God see that we don't always see? He, he starts by seeing the condition of the people he loves. And how often are we imperceptive of the condition even of God's church and God's people. The condition of God's people always moves him. And I think it's important for us to be moved by the condition of the singles ministry. Sean and I have loved working with singles ministries. We did, we worked, uh, when we first got married, we spent the first two and a half years of our marriage working full-time jobs in Orange County and leading the Long Beach singles. We loved it. Uh, When we went to the Middle East in Beirut, we got to work with all the singles and do a lot of their premarital counseling. There was nobody getting married, nobody dating. Uh, By the time we got there, we were able to just help uh, facilitate some of that. And and working with the singles was so much fun. When we were in the ministry in Phoenix, we were like working with the singles ministry there. Uh, and we're able to help them. And and being here in Orange County, I feel like this has been the highlight of our time here, working with the singles ministry. So God sees the condition of His people, and He also sees the needs of the lost world around us. And so, to be honest, that really trumps what God sees in you. (laughs) Because God is working at such a bigger scale that your best argument, you're not going to win God over as to why you shouldn't lead. You're not going to win that argument because God is always going to say, yeah, but but the condition of my people. Yeah, but the needs of the lost. Yeah, but if you would just work with me here, I will work with you. The starting materials are not that important to God. In fact, that's where God, like, we're going to write a story together. We're going to write a Bible together. right? It's not going to be a bunch of stories of all these amazing, talented people that did these cool things. It's going to be these, like, she did that, you know, and he did this. Did you want to share at this
0: point, hon? Huh?
1: This is my uh, better half, Sean. Yeah.
0: Does this mic work? Oh, good, it works. Okay. I was thinking I'd have to yell. <laughs> um, well, I, you know, also just want to thank you guys all for making the the trek up here, and I I too feel extremely privileged to be here and to be with everybody. Is going to be a part of this weekend and for anybody that i don't know i look forward to getting some time and getting to know you but you know this whole idea of just being called to leadership it's very near to my heart when i um, before i became a christian i was actually a very shy person i was very friendly to people but introverted at the, at the same time i had a lot of friends but i was for sure a follower and not a leader and i remember studying the bible and sitting across from the woman studying the bible with me And something just clicked. I still remember that I, you know, where you have those moments and this is like 25 years ago, I still remember the scene around me. And I remember the feeling of, I want to help people to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. And it just took for, it was like from then on, I didn't, I was, God will change, you know, I'll be whatever I need to be to see the kingdom of God grow. And I think God, you know, he moves in ways that we just think are, I mean, that are just pretty amazing. I was thinking about that scripture in Joel 2 where it says, you know, that young men will see visions and old men dream dreams or maybe it's vice versa. Um, but he says even on you know, men and women, you know, he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit in, in those days and they'll prophesy. And I just think I believe that is for sure where God is at right now with us. That he wants us to dream. He wants us to dream to see more and more people to make it to heaven. And to see the kingdom of God be what he wants it to be. For the church not just to be a place that, you know, we all go and but to be a vibrant place that people feel like this is the kingdom of God here on earth. And um, when I first became a disciple, when I first started coming to church, um, the woman standing with me convinced me to go to Boston to the first world mission seminar that I had been a part of in 1988. And again, God was just casting a vision. I could not believe that many people standing in a room singing to God. And it's one of those memories that I've just never forgotten. And I think the longer I led, I, again, I remember being asked to be in a Bible talk assistant for my campus ministry. And I wrote the woman I led uh, my, the campus ministry a uh, thank you. And I said, thank you so much for asking me to do this. And she kind of discipled me on it. She's like, you don't need to thank me. Like, she was like, take the focus off of people, get the focus on God, and, you know, and do it for God. And I do think that over the years, God had to refine that part of me, that people-pleasing part of me, because that person that was before Christian, very shy, very people-pleasing, introverted, it was very hard to be in leadership because it called me to be a conflict person, you know, Uh (laughs) to have to, like, actually— I mean, the people that God gave me to be in a disciple relationship with, wow, I should share the stories with you, I mean— one of them, they're just, it was crazy. I had a woman that was like 10 years older than me and she would threaten to punch me and stuff like that. And, but I wasn't afraid of her. I was like, oh, come on, you love me, you know, and I'm like, oh, Lord, please help. But, um, <laughs> I mean, but I just think God kept calling me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And um, you know, when we got to go to the Middle East, the thing I remember most was my motives being refined. Mm -hmm. Because um, being in leadership, sometimes that's tricky, right? I mean, our motives sometimes can get tricky where it's like there is some some glory that comes with that, you know, where people ask your opinion about things and Mm -hmm. um, whatnot. So when we went to the Middle East, it was like I thought it was gonna be this glorious time and instead it ended up being a time where we were very behind the scenes, i We I kind of felt like I was going on you know sixty miles down the freeway and hit a brick wall because i didn 't know what to do anymore i couldn 't go share my faith i couldn 't feel good about myself or those things and so it was very different, but I think God again just used that time to refine me and then when you know after we um, took a ten year break from the, from being in the ministry, we still had a Bible talk and I think God again just allowing us to be grateful you know for the kingdom and so when we were asked to step into more leadership to have responsibility, leading again in the ministry. Again, I I came back to that feeling that I have that as a young Christian, just privilege. Mm -hmm. Like, thank you, God, again, for all of my faults, for all of who I'm not, and yet putting me in a place that, you know, I can actually be effective for you. And I believe that is what God is calling us to. He needs this room to be way more full than even what it is. And I know there's a lot of people who couldn't come this weekend, but it's still not enough. And so I'm so thankful you're here, and I pray that God will help us all to be, see the condition of His flock and His kingdom and the lost world and help us be effective.
1: So. Amen. You know, what God saw that these guys and girls didn't see at the time was this condition. Um, In the time of Moses, God's people were enslaved and oppressed. In the time of Jeremiah, they were unfaithful and unrepentant. In the time of Deborah, they were oppressed by the Canaanites. In the time of David, the current leadership was unspiritual under Saul. In the time of Ezekiel, Israel was in exile. In the time of Jonah, God saw Nineveh and their wickedness. In the time of Peter, it was when Christ came for the consolation of Israel. And in the time of Saul, God saw that the Gentiles were not being reached, and so He set apart Paul, Saul, to go and reach them. And so what is the condition of the singles ministry in your church, in your area? And that really has to move you, right? To action. And I don't know how they're all... You know, maybe they have a full-time staff couple, full-time focus, a real identity, their own midweeks, their own services, worship team, sound sit. I mean, who knows? Maybe it rocks and rolls. Or maybe it is a few people that like, should we have a Devo this Friday, you know? Uh, yeah, I'll call one of the marrieds and use their house because, you know, ours is dirty. I would have no idea. Or somewhere in between those two. Your singles ministry is in a condition in which God feels for it. And all you have to do is feel that, like, hey, I want to do something. I want to do something for the condition of this ministry. And then obviously, not only that, but but feeling the needs of the singles in your city. Think about that for a minute. What are the condition of the singles in the city around you? I mean, what are most people doing even this weekend, the people that we're reaching out to, the people that you're going to see at work on hopefully Tuesday, hopefully you have Monday off, um, what is their weekend going to be to, compared to the peace of heaven that we've been able to see? Um, you know, I, I, I was with uh, Chuck Catano uh, on Thursday, an appointment with uh, probably the oldest guy in our singles ministries. He's in his 80s, he turns 82 in a couple of weeks. And uh, we had lunch there, and uh, the waitress was this, you know, blonde-haired girl, about 22 years old. And, uh, you know, I'm uh, actually, Chuck took me out. So he's paying for the bill, and then Chuck just reaches out to her. He's like, hey, where do you go to church? And this wily 82-year-old, you know, shares his faith. And, you know, I'm feeling a little bit... I was going to say that, too, but uh, you beat me to it. But anyway, so Chuck... (laughs) Chuck just reaches out to her. And and this was the Lord's, you know, shaming me. She, You know, we're down in San Clemente. She lives two blocks from our house. She grew up Catholic, but had just gone to a Christian church with one of her uh, girlfriends and sat there and she said, I sat there in church. This is the first time I've ever gone to a Christian mass, she called it. And, And she goes, I just cried through the service. So it's just... I think sometimes we forget, like, people are still open. Like, sharing your faith is still a thing that we should do, right? It was like, man, remember when we were always sharing? Like, yeah, remember when we were always sharing? We have to continue to see the lost around us. I'm so glad that Chuck's eyes were open to the lost. And I, I, my prayer is that Kristen will get baptized and Chuck will get to share at her baptism. Maybe, I don't know, maybe baptize her or something. And then just go receive his home in heaven. I mean, not yet, but it's soon. It is soon. But we're going to close by looking at the call of Isaiah the prophet. One of the most famous calls into leadership. Because when God called Isaiah, and, and Isaiah saw God, and the focus was not on himself, he realized how, how dirty he was. That he was a man of unclean lips, and he lived among a people of unclean lips, and his eyes have seen the Lord Almighty. And then one of the angels, a seraphim, flew with a live coal in his hands, which he had taken from tongs in front of the altar of God. I mean, this is a call of leadership. I mean, I wish poor Moses. You know what I mean? It's like, well, here's what happened. I was taken up into heaven, and the angels were there, and now I've come to deliver my people. No, it's like, well, this bush was on fire. It's like, no, it wasn't. You know. But Isaiah gets like the best call into leadership, being able to stand there and see God and see an angel come and touch his lips with a live coal. And the angel says, your guilt is taken away, your sin is atoned for. That's why God is not that picky about His starting materials of leadership because He just can wash us clean. That's such an easy thing for Him to wash our sins away and to atone for us. And I just want us to think for a minute what God has saved us from. And I'm not even talking about in the past, like if we had not become a disciple, because I feel like that's a train wreck that God averted in and of itself. But what about from now on, what is God continuing to save us from? And in many ways, when we persevere and when we lead, isn't our spiritual trajectory just even at least a little higher than when we sort of check out and take that, proverbial break from leadership i don't know how many of us have ever taken sort of a proverbial break from leadership and then really rocked spiritually you know what i mean man as soon as i did that i just my relationship with god took off (laughs) it's typically like i took a break from leadership and i just subscribed to netflix and you know i caught up on everything i'd missed for the last 10 years (laughs) I mean, I love that song, Better is One Day in Your Courts. I wonder, you know, if you, you, the, president, the annoying election is only, you know, a year and a half away, so all these blowhards are talking about nothing now. So uh, that's how I feel about politics. Um, <laughs> they all eat from the same pot to me. So, you know, they always talk about what are you going to do in your first hundred days of president? What would we do in our first thousand days if we left and went back to the world. I mean, within three and a half, w- within three years, some of you know what you've done. You, you, you spent a good thousand days out there and have come back, thank God, amen? Um, better is one day, better to stay faithful, at least just till tonight, right? Than to leave here and spend the next three years away from God. Can you imagine the damage that we would do to ourselves and others if it were not for God and His kingdom and His call for us to step up and to lead? I love that song. Better is one days than just a thousand elsewhere. I don't want to see what I could do in a thousand days. I don't want to see how much mess I would cause myself and my family. And so when Isaiah was atoned for his sin, when God atoned for his sin, and God asked this rhetorical question. I don't know who else was there, what other prophets were in the room, you know. But he's like, who shall we send? <laughs> Here I am, send me, you know. I mean, we're inspired by that, but like, what was the other option? What was plan B, you know? He was the only one. And sometimes you guys are it, you know what I mean? You're the only one and God has atoned for your sin, so here I am, send me. And so God sends him and he, and this is not an encouraging message. He says, hey, go tell these people, be ever hearing, never understand. This is what Jesus quotes when he came, The people's hearts, yeah, are callous sometimes. And when Isaiah heard that that was his message, he said, well, how long do I have to preach that? (laughs) Well, you do the math. That's chapter 6, and he wrote 66 chapters. (laughs) He preached for 50 years. So how long is God calling us to leadership and to preach an unpopular message? And guys, we want church to be popular, don't we? Oh, gosh, I think that's the challenge. We really want church to be popular we really want them to love it. And I'm, I agree, you know, I want people to come to church and love it and enjoy it. But the message we preach is just, at the end of the day, it's, it's not a popular message. It's not for 90% of the population. It's for a small group of people that want to hear whose hearts are not callous, who are open. And so this is our challenge. This is the call of leadership, to plug away... For at least fifty more years and sixty chapters. <laughs> and what is the what is the, the I guess the payoff? What's, what what is in it for us? Well, we're wrapping up the lesson, so we don't get to lather up that part of it. But needless to say, when Hebrews eleven was written, and, and God talks about you know through the Hebrew writer all the, the faithful in this world. You know, we have to go to heaven with these people, right? We have to fellowship with them. And so I want to be able to, like, compare notes a little bit, you know? (laughs) Oh, you were sawed in half, yeah. I was just discouraged, you know? I had a really rough Bible talk, you know what I mean? I I had the group nobody wanted, and so, you know... But I mean, you were sawed in half, so you know it's like, I'm sure you, you were thrown in the light, boiling oil. I mean, it lists these people in Hebrews, and, and the, the, the thing that the Hebrew writer, because he doesn't have time, he just says this, this world was not worthy of them. They were so ordinary when God called them, and yet, when the time that God got done with them, it's like they were just unrecognizable. They were non-humans. They were people that God just used for, for supernatural, holy, amazing tasks. And so this is our starting materials. This is our singles ministry here. This is the leadership of the western United States of single people which makes up more than half of the population of the states that we live in. This is God's starting materials for you. And I'll leave these uh, questions up What I'd like to do is for about the next um, 20 to 25 minutes and then we'll come back and do another shorter lesson about our gifts and then break up into our DISC profile groups. But these groups don't have to really be, you know, anything necessarily. Just pick about four to five of you, maybe six, maybe uh, three and three, different genders. Sort of mix it up, maybe different ministries, different genders. I really commend the brothers. We have about 90 women and about 70 men registered for this retreat, which is so awesome. The average of what we're finding all through the data we're collecting in the singles ministry throughout the United States is about 66 to 33 in terms of populace in our singles ministry, about 2 to 1 in the sisters. So I'm very grateful that here we have brothers that are stepping up to lead, that you're not all Debras. Uh, some of you may be but uh, but we have some awesome brothers amen so let 's spend about the next twenty five minutes we 'll call you back with a song. Uh, just these are your discussion questions. What is your deepest insecurity? Narrow it down. Those of you who are eyes don 't get too many of these guys in one group, or you won 't get to talk. Um, <laughs> What is the condition of the singles ministry in your, in your group? Uh, and are you saying, here I am, send me? Let's, let's uh, go ahead and break into discussion groups, and we'll be brought back with a song.
0: You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.